Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. When I was uh, doing youth ministry years ago, I was often, some of my kids and leaders joked about the Pinkleton Pull Aside. I was known as an encourager, but if I pulled you aside and went off just the two of us, that means you're going to get challenged on something. So we're really hoping in these conversations, we get into some great encouragement, resourcing, life-giving truths and redemptive nuggets for people's lives, but also to challenge a little bit as well. So I'm blessed. We're here today talking to Andre Davis, eight-year NFL veteran wide receiver, most known in these parts as being a former Cleveland Brown. And just out of the gate, one of the things I want to say uh, and acknowledge about Andre is, uh, and I didn't remember this until today, that you are one of only a dozen plus people to have a 99-yard touchdown catch in a regular season game. And of course, we were going to do a podcast earlier. And on that particular date, December 30th, 2007, is when you set back-to-back kickoff returns, 97, 104 yards. So Andre, welcome. Those are some stats I wish were next to my name. They're not. They're next to yours. But thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It really is an honor to to be on your podcast and to uh, share my story with everyone. And those records are are pretty special. Obviously, um, my name is next to them, but I couldn't have done it with the great teammates uh, that we had and, and the schemes we had in place. And I'm just grateful that God gave me the speed to uh, outrun all of those bigger, stronger, but not faster guys than me. So sure. <laughs> it's a blessing to be here. And as we've gotten to know lately, I've seen, you know, we've gotten to know each other a bit and I've seen on Facebook, you just got honored again and got some goods from the Cleveland Browns. And you've had a lot of neat things, like I said, even currently still being popped up. You're working at Virginia Tech and doing some stuff there. But I got to ask you, how often when people think of you and your career is the next thing that follows something about Tom Brady? Does that happen like the majority of the time that you're known as a guy who played with Tom Brady or how does that work? It doesn't happen often at all because I played one year there. I was blessed with the opportunity to catch one touchdown pass from Tom. Um, So it's pretty special to be on that long list of uh, touchdown throws that he had in games. And and to be one of those names that's on that list, it's pretty special. So, Andre, how does that work? So we we recently had the Super Bowl, and you obviously watched it. And this this Super Bowl was, you know, pitting – uh, a team that just won going for title number two and Patrick Mahomes and you know he's the next great thing and then you got Brady being Brady and going for ring number seven and then he does it I mean I know for me and you know people who didn't play and aren't around a league like you've been we're probably greatly surprised by the result you know obviously we knew Mahomes was going to have some issues with uh, Eric Fisher and their line was kind of revamped or whatever but even for you having played with Brady knowing the league like you do were you still in a state of shock with how Brady and the, the Buccaneers did that? And Brady just seems to always keep doing it. Or were you like, nah, that's just Tom Brady. 
I think when I first saw the matchup, when the Chiefs and Bucks won their championships, uh, the AFC championship and NFC championship, at that point, I was definitely considering Kansas City, that they would be the runaway favorites. As the two weeks went by and I was listening to all of the opinions on, on Fox Sports, on ESPN and other networks, I started to see that it wasn't going to be as clear cut as if they would have rolled right into it the following week. You give Tom Brady two weeks to prepare for you and it levels all playing fields. Um, for me, the final straw was seeing that the Chiefs were going to be down three offensive linemen. Um, and seeing how Tampa Bay's defense was playing and how they handled Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers, I, I thought that that was going to be the deciding factor. Um, I did not even consider the first time that they met because I kept hearing once again through all of the opinions how great Tyreek Hill is, how great Travis Kelsey is, how great Patrick Mahomes is. And I feel like they may have gotten caught up reading their own headlines a little bit too much. Um, and I realized that um, I played for both Bruce Arians when I was in Cleveland and, and Todd Bowles was the defensive backs coach. And those guys will make adjustments. You know, great players, great coaches make adjustments. So I knew that that game actually was to the benefit of the Bucks more so than it was to the benefit of the Chiefs because you're able to see what their strengths are and to be able to come back from that. And um, I think, you know, as you guys watched the game, you heard that the Bucks, after uh, they lost that game and had the bye week, they were undefeated from there on out. So I think it took them that long to get their game plan, their identity in place to be able to make that type of a run. And, uh, you know, they, they, they beat three Hall of Fame quarterbacks on their way to doing it. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. I saw something on social media today. Somebody said it was interesting watching that game and knowing that Brady has some form of scarlet in his jersey, some form of gray, and he has to say, go Bucks." How ironic was that for a Michigan quarterback? I never thought about that, that Brady has to say, go Bucks" these days. So that was kind of interesting to see. But let me ask you, so obviously Todd Bowles got a lot of love in that game. I would say next to Brady, it was probably Todd Bowles. And then I'm a huge Leftwich fan. When he played at Marshall and had that, I think it was a bowl game where he he was all hurting and his offensive linemen were carrying down the field. That's just such a great image in my, in my memory bank when Leftwich played at Marshall. But when you see greatness like that, make some parallels to that spiritually. Like I know there's a balance between, uh, you know, Brady's well known for his 60 minutes interview where he's still searching, still looking for the more, hasn't found it. He has all this stuff, but just from a pure standpoint of playing or for a coach designing a scheme, how do you look at greatness like that when you see it in the world of sports and pull out spiritual truths to that? I think it's consistency. We all look for consistency on, on the football field. Like I said, I, I had those guys in Cleveland. And, and when you look at our, our team overall, we had um, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Chuck Pagano, um, another guy, Jerry Rossberg, who won a Super Bowl with the Ravens uh, as a special teams coach. You know, Chuck Pagano went on to be a uh, head coach with the Colts for a little bit. Bruce Arians obviously went to Arizona as a head coach and, you know, now with the Bucks. So you see guys who have always had the potential, but when they're around and you get that consistency there, then you're able to see greatness throughout time. I think all of us, 
every person, no matter what career field you are, you are on, you can have moments of greatness. But it's when you put that consistency together where you really start to create, in a way, I guess, a legacy for yourself that people can look back and look over your life and see your ups and downs and be able to say, okay, now at this point in time, I can look back over the five years that I've seen you in your public life, in your work life, in your family life, and say, this is the type of man, this is the type of woman that you are. And I pray that we would be able to do those same things in our Christian walk, is that God gives us moments of greatness, that we see him uh, very active in our lives. And we see these miracle type you know, moments that we have that we didn't think we could either get out of a situation or you just have these praise moments because God does something beyond what we could ever imagine. But for most of us, that's not the everyday occurrence. (laughs) It's having to get up. It's having to take off our flesh daily and to be able to get in the word and and for the Lord to fill us with his, uh, with, with the Holy ghost and to fill us with his word each and every day and to kind of grind it out. Um, but when you have these moments of greatness, when you see this over time, you're able to look into our lives and say, you know what, God has been with this person all along because I've seen them at their highest moments. I've seen them at their lowest moments. And I can see that God's hand is on their life. And so I pray for all of us that we would be able to be consistent in the words we say and the actions that we use. And, and that will be things that people can see and, and be able to glorify God because of it. Amen, Andre. I'll tell you, I, speaking to you on the phone several months back, and then even now, your maturity in Christ just oozes. So let's jump into that and talk greatness on the field to greatness and what God's doing. Give us the, the kind of three-minute testimony of Andre Davis. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, as, as we talk about pre-Christ, I can look at it in two different ways. One, there was no pre-Christ. It's like I grew up in a Christian household. So from the moment I could understand words, my, my parents were bringing us to church and um, we were having Bible studies. You know, we couldn't watch, the, you know, certain shows before we would get into the word. Um, and so Christ was always uh, in my life in some way, shape or form. But the next way I can look at it as what was pre-Christ was for my own personal relationship. And I think that's something that's very different from saying you grew up in a Christian household compared to what was it like for me personally. And so for me, pre-Christ was really my my parents' faith. That's what I was living off of. That's what I was, that's who I was trying to uh, impress. That's who I didn't want to disappoint was, you know, looking at my parents, looking at all of the things and, and the rules and the restrictions that they put on me, uh, thinking that this is taken away from my freedoms. But as I grew and as I got older, I realized that this was then protecting me from, uh, you know, different uh, mindsets, different perspectives, different situations that, you know, can send you down the wrong road. And so when I accepted Christ, um, I think I was 11 years old when I first accepted Christ and was baptized. Um, you know, I, I was that kid that was going to church every Sunday. I, uh, I could never miss uh, church for a sports sporting event. So I was playing soccer at the time and I would have my soccer clothes and my shin guards and everything in the car waiting. So right after church, we would get in the car and I would change in the car and we would go to, to the game. And so for me, I, Christ was always in my life, but that was when I first made my uh, personal uh, connection with him. Um, as I got older and got into college, um, after two years in college, 
I went to a athletes in action camp out at Fort Collins in Colorado. And one of the activities that we had was to carry a plank of wood on our shoulders up a mountain, like a half a mile. And to me, the things that I learned on that trip was that I could not be, I could not be lukewarm anymore. Um, pretty much for what God had done for us um, and continues to do for us. I, I could not just do this halfway and have one foot in the world and one foot uh, in the church. And so at that point, I decided to rededicate my life to Christ and say, you know what, Lord, I don't want you to spit me out of your mouth and to be lukewarm, but I need to be hot for you in, in all of the things I do. I need to take you with me in all aspects of my life. And, and that at that point is when I was able to change the perspective and say, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle. It's an all day every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I've got to bring you into all aspects of my life. And I'm grateful that he's allowed me to do that through, uh, through sports and through the opportunities that he's given me. Amen. 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 Andre, I love, as you're talking about that, you mentioned athletes in action, you know, they're right down the road for me about, well, from where we are right now, they're about 45, 50 minutes away, but Corwin Anthony and Mark Householder, the president, those guys are friends and I'm blessed to get to know those guys. So it's fun to hear anytime there's an AIA tie in there. So let me ask you this, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about you as you speak, as you exude life, is there's just a freedom that I feel coming out of you. Like you just seem to live freely. One of my favorite quotes that I think numerous people get credit for it. So I'm not even going to try to credit it, but it's, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, but take God and his word very seriously. I'm going to guess you agree with that statement. Unpack that for maybe you and your life about, you know, taking God and his word very seriously, but maybe not taking Andre Davis so seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for all of us, as we get older, uh, I'm going to be 42 uh, in June. And I, I still look at myself as a guy who likes to have fun, who likes to be, you know, silly, but at the same time knows when to cut it back, when to be serious, when to be, you know, all about business. But I feel in this day and age, we take everything so serious that we don't have the ability to, to be free. Um, in the things that we do and to have fun. And, and to me, that just speaks to, you know, are we really doing what the Lord has purposed us to do? Um, and if we do that, do we have the confidence to go to work, to go to the different situations that we have in life and to just be ourselves? Um, I think so oftentimes we're trying to be somebody else and you have to be serious because that's not naturally you. <laughs> so you have to take that very serious and you're not allowed to go out and just be free and be yourself compared to let me go into these situations and be myself, not be afraid to tell people I don't know something, but share with them how passionate you are about what you, what you are doing and, and have them see your work ethic through you being you. And I think it's the uh, authenticity and the genuineness in which you live your life is what will draw people to you. So that way, sometimes, regardless of your uh, experience, even though your experience may have to be there, it's your genuineness and your authenticity is what draws people to you and is what people say, I want this person on my team because I just have that trust factor because they're going to be themselves. They're not trying to be somebody who's not them. And uh, to the second point, to take God serious, um, that's why we say we need to be God-fearing. I don't want to get too lax in understanding who God is. 
Um, I know a lot of times we say, uh, you know, God is my friend, but at the same time, God is God. He is the Lord of Lords. There needs to be a reverence that's there to someone in authority, to someone who has all power, who's omnipotent, who's all-knowing, omniscient, um, who's omnipresent, who's everywhere. There is a level of reverence that we need to have to the to to the God who has created all things. And so, when it comes to things of His Word, we need to be on point and very serious and take his word very serious and not just as any other book. Um, this is the word of God and that's where we need to take it serious. But just like our parents tells us certain things about what not to do and, and don't stick your finger in the outlet and don't do these things, it still allows us to live in freedom within the restrictions that God wants us to have. And I think when we can understand that that we know the things he's telling us not to do are things that lead to the wide path that leads to destruction. But if we follow his word and follow the things that he has uh, guided us to do, then uh, we can truly live in, in real freedom, knowing that he's going to guide us down the right path. Wow. Man, I could just let you talk all day. It's going to be hard to get through a lot of questions with you, Andre. You say so much good stuff. It's like, I just want to stay in that moment. So I'm going to do a thing called rapid five. I'm going to throw five things at you like rapid fire really quick. Give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Favorite childhood snack or cereal? What you got? I'm going to go with Frosted Flakes. Okay. You, okay. you got to have uh, Tony the Tiger on my table and, and Frosted Flakes. You know, there's about 20 versions of that, I think, today I've seen. So, okay. I'm going to throw one word at you. Let's see. I know you got a reaction here. YouTube. Addictive. Yeah, I think you've told Addictive. me you watch more YouTube. You're like a teenager. You watch more YouTube than you do regular TV. How'd you fall into that? It's, it's a time thing. So I have four beautiful children who are 13 and under, uh, 13, 10, seven, and six. And they are and beautiful. So they have, they're the ones who are taking over the TVs for the most part. And so for me, a YouTube video, most of the times is, you know, 20 minutes max, more so around eight to 20 minutes. So to be able to hit those up in between times of getting things done for them, that that's why it makes it a little bit better and easier for me to uh, get some entertainment. Well, you're validating me because I feel like I'm in the same zone you are, especially with my kids, four of them, and I fall into YouTube stuff all the time. So here's your, here's the third one. Your guilty pleasure movie, no matter when it comes on, how many times you've seen it, no matter what you're watching, you're getting stuck on that movie. What is it? Any Marvel movie. I am just hooked on Marvel right now. Um, we are now watching everything all over again and trying to find all the little Easter egg nuggets all throughout the, the earlier movies. I think we're on Thor, uh, the dark world right now. And it, it's really amazing as you go back through it and you see the detail in which the directors, producers, writers on how they put together these, what is it? 20 plus movies or whatever. So whenever I see any of those movies coming on, it's a guarantee I'm going to sit and, and watch it if, if possible. That's funny. I just saw Jimmy Fallon do a thing with uh, Anthony Mackie the other night. They played off each other real well or whatever. You got, you and Anthony Mackie look like you could be brothers or something a little bit. There's a resemblance there between you and Anthony Mackie. You want to run with that one a little bit? I, I appreciate that. I, I would love to be a, a stunt double or or anything else for him. So I, I will take that. Someone who's a star like that, uh, I, I'll take that. Well, Appreciate he's probably it. saying he'd like to have uh, 
a hundred plus yard kickoff return, and, he, and you got almost two of those back to back. So take that, Anthony Mackey. Now here's a, here's a dad question for you. So you're driving down, you're leaving Delaware. Let's say you're coming back to our neck of the woods in Ohio, and all of a sudden you realize you got to get off and you got to get something to eat. There's that that one freeway there uh, heading into uh, Bethany Beach and all that 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 happens there in Delaware when we go on vacation in your neck of the woods, and you see really quick McDonald's, In and Out Burger, Chick Fil A. Where's the Davis family stopping? I'm, I'm appalled by that you would ask this question. This is really, I mean, especially the man of God that you are, Jeff. And you're going to you have to say Chick fil A. Is that what you're going to say? McDonald's and In N Out Burger. Hands down, Chick fil A. Come on, man. Now, That's Andre, chicken right there. You played, how far west did you play? You played with the Texans. Was that the furthest west you played? Correct. Yes. When you were in Texas, was there In N Out Burger in Texas? There was no In-N-Out Burger there. We we went out to a. Uh, I had a conference out in Arizona and California. So you've had an organization we support called Pro Athletes Outreach, yeah. and I think we were out there. And on our way to uh, the resort, we stopped at an In-N-Out Burger, and I was just I was very disappointed oh. by the uh, by what we had because of all of the hype that everyone oh. had In-N-Out Burger. I just did, I didn't get the hype. Andre, uh, we got to take a step a back here. Vex Prime. That was, uh, you know, the Chipotle type uh, style restaurant where you would get fresh burgers and delivered Ooh. to you quickly. And, and In-N-Out Burger didn't hold a candle to what we had in wow. Houston at Vex Prime. Wow. I better. I haven't had an In-N-Out Burger in a long time because I don't live close to one. But wow. Well, you did go with a Christian answer, I guess, with Chick-fil-A, didn't you? That's, <laughs> uh, we'll move on. <laughs> and the last one, rapid five here, your first celebrity crush. Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, Stacy Dash, Stacy Dash from Clueless. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say either her or, or Silverstone, yeah. Tatiana Ali um, from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay. She was like the same age as me growing up, so I always thought like, "Ooh, what if we went to the same college? Ooh, what if this happened?" You start going through these scenarios, and it's like, "Yeah, I'm probably never going to meet this person." But you see them on TV. You see someone who's uh, you know beautiful around your age. And that's where the first crush comes so in. So now, Andre, if you watch that much Fresh Prince of the Bel Air, that means you either got to rap like Will Smith or you do what's his name's little dance? Carlton. Carlton. The yeah. Do Carlton you do his dance. dance or do you rap like Will Smith? Which one is it? Uh, I do a little bit of both. I, I, I do the rap stuff as far as, uh, you know, some poems and different raps that I've, I've written for my family. Um, and then the Carlton dance, I think I did that kind of just joking around. That's the silly side of me that will do that. But what's so cool about technology now um, and, and with the show being, you know, pretty clean and, and having some teachable moments, uh, we're actually watching it with my two sons, my older sons right now, oh, 13 cool. and 10, and, and they think Will Smith is hilarious. So hey, it's crazy to see that a show in the 90s um, can still get young kids to laugh right now because I think they see a lot of similarities in themselves. Well, and you know, Andre, I, I've known that whatever point we did a podcast, there'd have to be a second one because there's no way we'll cover it all. So I think next time we start out by singing Summertime together. What do you think? Would you be down, <laughs> would you be down with that? We could definitely do that. We could definitely do that. I've got no voice, so I guarantee you, Angie would attest to this, that uh, our friend Angie, that you are definitely going to do better than me. So um, anyway, maybe that's for the next podcast. You and I starting out singing Summertime. Here, here's uh, yeah, And I can definitely, I've got some... Uh, a quick thing about that, Jeff. Um, I've got I've got some stuff that I could probably give to you too. I uh, most of the things that I do write are 
uh, our Christian poems or Christian rap. So I could even do that for you too in an acapella way that would uh, probably even bless people more than uh, Will Smith's Summertime. Well, we, we yeah, that, that we're definitely playing that in the next one. That's, that's guaranteeing podcast number two. So, hey, tell the story. Um, I loved when we talked on the phone. You told me the story about Virginia Tech and Janelle and how that was all tied in there. Talk about ending up at Virginia Tech and Janelle and then we'll transition more into some family stuff. So when I got to Virginia Tech, it, it wasn't something that Virginia Tech found me. Um, my, I had a cousin who was a walk-on on the football team, and I was not being recruited by Virginia Tech. I, I didn't start playing football until my junior year in high school, so football was never really on my radar. I was a track runner and, and really uh, wished and hoped that I, I would have went to college on a track scholarship. Um, that was my first love, and and that's something that I really enjoy doing. And when I started getting scholarships to play football in college, for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. As much as I love track, I realized that this was an opportunity to get a uh, a paid-for education, and I, I was not going to, uh, from my own love, take that away from my parents and have them pay for me to go to college just so I could run track. I, I was going to take that football scholarship and and literally, uh, no pun intended, run with it. And so um, if not Virginia Tech, I probably would have went to University of Delaware, which is pretty interesting that I now live like five miles from the school. Um, but getting down to Virginia Tech, I sent my cousin my highlight tape. He uh, sent it to the coaches. They liked what they saw. Um, after a full visit at University of Delaware, we went down for one day just to really take a tour of the campus. And they offered me a scholarship while I was down there. And um, it was one of those moments that that still small voice inside of me was just like, this is it. This is the place you need to be. And so even after I had in my mind had said I was going to go to University of Delaware, but just didn't tell them, was going to wait till I got home to tell them at Virginia Tech, that still small voice uh, was heard in my heart. And I said, this is I think this is where God wants me to be. And so to take that opportunity to go down there, you know, even further away from home from uh, upstate New York and, and take that opportunity to go to Virginia Tech uh, ended up being a great decision. Uh, not only did I have, you know, uh, an All-American uh, football career and academic All-American career there, a great career as a student athlete, but also got an opportunity to, to meet my future wife there and, and to know that the same summer that I rededicated my life to Christ, she rededicated her life to Christ in two totally separate scenarios and then coming together and started dating on September 11th, 1999, it, it was just pretty amazing to see what occurred from there as we went on to have an undefeated season at Virginia Tech playing the national championship game where we lost to Florida State. But um, that was definitely the beginning of great things in, in more ways than one. Talk for us too, Andre. You mentioned in your four stops between Buffalo, Houston, New England, and Cleveland, that Cleveland was a spot where you really felt something and there was some community starting to develop. And then you felt like the Lord had kind of launched you and um, Phil Dawson and some of those guys out. Talk about what was special for you in Cleveland when you were with the Browns and just the community there with some guys who loved the Lord as well. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit it on the head with the word community. Um, that's what I felt that we had there. And, you know, being able to go into the league in 2002 and your first year you go to the playoffs uh, where we lost to the Steelers, you feel like, man, this is 
this is the place to be. Uh, the weather, I was not a fan of the weather, but at the same time, when you're around other people that you appreciate, when you're around other people that you could see uh, yourself growing old with, you know, other other members that you say, you know what, this is the type of, you know, mother and father that if they have kids and we have kids, you can send your kids over to their house and not have to worry about anything because you know what they're about. You could see how you would want that for your future. Um, we had a great um, Bible study with the guys that we had in there. And like you said, the, the community that was growing that we had there was great. We were just challenging each other with the word of God. We were challenging each other on the field of play. And even though we had some struggles in the following years, I still appreciated the fact that I was going to work every day with guys that I would literally, you know, do anything for. And to see how God just kind of dismantled that, um, I didn't see it probably for three years, I think, is when he revealed it to me, is that he didn't want us to get so comfortable in that fact of having this comfort zone where you didn't have to go outside, where you weren't necessarily um, stretching your faith to see what God was going to do. You just had this comfort of this Christian bubble of being able to stay here. You know what they know. Um, you're all growing together, which is great. But what I think the Lord was doing for us is that he was strengthening us in order to send us out, in order for us to go make disciples and to spread what we had there in Cleveland to the other teams that we had. And because of that experience, he allowed my wife and I uh, what is this, three years later to start a Bible study in the city of Houston and share that community that we had formed in Cleveland and see what that looks like, um, you know, on our own, where we were now the leaders and, and bringing other people uh, to Christ in that way. So uh, it's one of those things that I, I think we have to remember as, as far as our perspective goes is that, yes, um, we want to find those communities that the Lord is going to continue to strengthen us and build us but that's not where he wants us to stay. He's doing all of those things to strengthen our faith. So that way we can go into our spheres of influence, into our jobs, into our workplaces, into family members who don't know Christ. And he's building us up. So that way we will have uh, a word and, uh, and experiences to be able to share with those who might not know him. Um, and so that's what I really appreciate about our time in Cleveland. That's great. I can imagine you guys just making a deep deposit depending on a stage of life in each of those four locations and, you know, Buffalo, Houston, Cleveland, and a new New England area, Boston, give or take Foxborough being better off because the Davis family was there. So let's transition that to now. I'm so impressed when we talked, we talked about family a bit and I really landed there with your family. A lot of people say they love their family. They want to spend time with them. The Davis clan is on a whole different level like nothing I've ever seen and experienced. And I know we didn't even get to the good stuff. So talk about proximity and where you guys live now in Delaware. And then also, I know Friday nights are pretty special in your household. So talk about the Davis family for a few minutes and Friday nights and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we truly love our family. Um, we, we have our group chat and, and we call ourselves The Village um because uh we've all heard the chat that it takes a village to to raise a child and so we are very literal uh in thinking that and then acting that out um when we 
first left Houston. We went to Myrtle Beach for a couple of years, and then we ultimately landed here in Delaware, where my wife Janelle, her family is from here in Dover, Delaware. We live in Middletown, Delaware, which is about 25 minutes from Dover. Um, we moved my parents down after they retired from upstate New York to Smyrna, Delaware, which is about 20 minutes from us. We live right next door to Janelle's sister. Um, we, we found some land and built two homes right next to each other. We talked my brother uh, and his wife into moving from New Jersey down to Middletown as well. So they live about five miles, I think, six miles down the road from us. The only person that's not here is my sister who's in um, New York City um, right now where she's married and has a young daughter there. But uh, I would say within our village and with some other cousins that are in the Dover area, I think there are 24 of us um, that are here in Delaware. We get together every Friday night that we call it family night. Um, and it, it could be anything from us just getting together. It started off with us just getting together, having the kids you know, play their games together um, and the parents just being able to relax and uh, spend time with one another, watch a movie maybe. And then we started getting very intentional with our time where we would still have that, but yet we wanted to take this time and have our children learn something new. And once again, also to challenge each other. So we started off having the children present presentations on their favorite people in the Bible. So they would pick a character in the Bible and they would do a presentation on them. And they got really excited by doing their PowerPoint presentations because they were learning different things in school with how to use PowerPoint and all of the transitions and slides. Um, so not only were they having fun, but they were also learning. And they would have the opportunity that as they got done with their presentations to you know, the, the audience, the family members could ask questions. And if they didn't know the answer to the question, um, we would all yell out research, which would cause that person to go back, try and find the answers. And so not only are we teaching them new things about the Bible and, and what God is telling us through uh, these different characters and people in the Bible, but also teaching them how to present and how to get up in front of their classmates later on when they have other projects and stuff that they have to do. Um, so that's one of them. And then we also decided that we wanted to do a little bit better in teaching them a little bit more about their history. Both my wife's family, they grew, uh, they're from Trinidad. My family is from Jamaica, um, but we wanted to teach them about African-Americans here and, and what our experience has been here in America. So we've also done uh, facts of uh, Black inventors and, and different uh, historic Black figures here in America um, because we just feel that as much a job as our schools are trying to do, um, there's a lot that's not being told. There's a, another side of the story of our history that is very tough for people to talk about. And because it's uncomfortable, it doesn't get talked about in school. So we take that opportunity to share that with our kids so that they can have, uh, just like they do in, in their faith, we want them to know about themselves and to know that they come from uh, greatness as well and that they can see that there are uh, other African-Americans who have made uh, very great strides here in America to allow you to do what you do now. And it's a great learning experience, not only for the kids, but for the parents as well. Wow. You told me you had a lot more about family, but that's significant. PowerPoint, man, you are 
raising a bar nobody's ever going to be able to touch there. <laughs> so one of my favorite words and just concepts and what we're supposed to be about as followers of Jesus is disciples. And we don't talk enough about that. And what does it mean? I like to use the R word, discipler, because it's proactive. and means you're actually doing it. So to close here, last question, when you look at yourself right now, 2021, obviously family is significant and you're in a significant season with your kids at their ages. But when you look at right now and moving forward, you know, we still got some COVID stuff going on. Where is the assignment in your life? All capital letters spelling out that word assignment. What is Andre Davis's assignment now and going forward? Do you see beyond football, even beyond maybe family a little bit, what do you see as your big assignment for the kingdom? What's really, really cool about what God has done in my life is he allowed me to go to a school at, at Virginia Tech, which is uh, a special school to me. Uh, I'm sure for most people who went to college, if you had a good experience, th- that school is the best school in your opinion. Um, for what God has made me for, um, it was interesting to go back. And I knew this when I was in college, but it really hit me in my post-career, a little bit during my career, but more so in my post-career is that we had a, uh, the motto of our school at Virginia Tech is a Latin term called ut prosum, U-T, ut prosum, P-R-O-S-I-M. And it's Latin for a statement that says that I may serve. That to me, not only is a great motto for a, a university, but that plays hand in hand with what God has called us to. And so for me, as I got through with my career, I understood that I wanted to take this level of success that I had, but success wasn't enough. I wanted to turn it into significance. Um, For many of us, you realize, and for those of you who have heard uh, Tom Brady's talk when he he had famously said on a 60 minute interview that, you know, it was never enough really for him. He he still had, uh, you know, kind of a hole in his heart that he was always trying to chase the next championship. And as this man has had now seventh championship, you know, more so than anyone else, it's not the thing that is going to fulfill him. And so to see that God has given me uh, an ability to serve others, to have a level of success that allows me to, to be free now, share my experience with others, be able to share the goodness of God in my life and, and through my experiences and to be able to do that on a day-to-day basis, not only with my family, but to do it through my job at Virginia Tech um, as the director of student athlete support and community engagement. It allows me to speak with people involved at Virginia Tech at all levels, from those who are recruits thinking about coming to Virginia Tech to the current student athletes that are there, all the way to the donors who you know, may have their names on buildings or who are looking to uh, give you know, uh, major amounts of money to the athletic department or to other programs in, in Virginia Tech. And, and when I'm able to share with them the, the things that God has done in my life and how he is continuing to use me, um, a group that I'm working with called Africa New Life Ministries, to working with current professional football players um, through pro athletes out, outreach where we're sharing the gospel with them and sharing how they can use their platform uh, to give back and, and how to uh, continue to build and strengthen their marriage, how to use their platform to share the gospel with others in football. And then, like I said, in Rwanda, being able to use the two hands um, to help people, which is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and using acts of compassion to open their hearts to what God has for them. Um, God has just opened up all of these opportunities and it has necessarily 
nothing to do with football, but football is the thing that uh, a lot of people love. That's the thing that opens the door. And when they get excited about football, I then am able to say, but let me tell you what I'm really excited about. Let me tell you how God has used that success in my life to actually make a difference that is going to go beyond just a, a record in a record book, but is actually going to make a difference in the lives of people. And, and I'm praying that with these opportunities that God would just continue to enlarge my territory and in, in being able to reach more and more people with the opportunities that he provides. Well, Andre, you're a faithful servant. I don't know how God wouldn't <laughs> expand your territory. I, uh, <laughs> I love Psalm 34, eight, and I think this has definitely been a conversation of tasting and seeing and knowing that God is good. So many blessings on you and, and Janelle and Daylan and Bryce and Layla and Noel. And just says, my name's Jeff. I guess the next time we get together, I'll get to be DJ Jazzy Jeff and you get to be the Fresh Prince. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mark that for a later date. So, <laughs> Absolutely, Jeff. Thank uh, you. Thank Andre. you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be out here. And, and just as, you know, inspiration and motivation for everyone who's listening to this, you know, I want you guys all to remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I think if we continue to understand that, um, we need to make him our priority in our lives. And oftentimes the chaos that we feel, um, it's because we're not putting him first. So if you put him first, all of those things aren't going to go away, but they'll actually, uh, you'll have a peace and a comfort to be able to uh, operate in freedom and to be able to handle uh, and persevere through those times. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us, Andre. Greatly appreciate you and affirm you. Anytime. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Shine FM Podcast Network.